that would be about $345,000 a month in revenue. Yeah, that's about right. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey folks, my guest today is John Brakey. He created a tool called Promise, which was created as a single solution that could support the growth and complexity of a multi-office IT full-service business. They achieved the status of a highly respected integrator by developing industry best practices. Check them out again at promys.com. John, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready. All right. So on your website, you say the company is the world's best CRM, help desk, and professional services automation software. What does that mean? Tell us about a customer who's paying you. So what happened, maybe just understand the background that I used to be one of our customers effectively. And um, so I really understand the business that our customers are experiencing and the issues, the problems, the challenges, and so forth. And so the the product was really built with best practices in mind. If you think about a services-based business that also does the technology. Can you name one, John, as you tell the story so it's a real story? Yeah, sure. So, well, the company that I was involved with was called Unis Lumen. And it was the third largest Cisco partner in Canada. And it did an array of services from... um, you know, if you think about it from a consulting design implementation and post-implementation services or what's now called ma- uh, managed services. And so if you think about a company that's doing service-based business, most of their profitability comes from their services, not from the product sales that they do. And so it's really critical when you're in a service-based business to really manage your utilization and to make sure that you're not losing money because you're doing work that didn't get billed. In addition to that, as you're growing, and you know, our experience is we grew from 30 million to 50 million to 70 million and so forth. And every time we grew at a fairly good clip, it really um, put a burden on our cash flow. And so it's really important to be able to think about how you're building customers, how fast you're building customers, and so forth. So all of those best practices were integrated into Promise. In addition to that, uh, if you look at most people in the market, they're using two, three, sometimes four different products to cobble their business together, whether it's in the, the sales process, the order admin process, the delivery project services, and the ticketing side of the service post-implementation. And what we wanted to do is have a single place where every time I updated something, it updated across the whole system. <clears throat> so, John, if an agency is listening right now with 100 people working at the agency, they can use Promise so all their reps and all their workers can manage their time, their inputs, what clients they're working on, how many hours work, things like that, so you never miss a billable hour. Correct. And also, Understood. And when, when did you leave that bigger company to launch Promise? What year? Um, so it was, there was a parallel process or cutover for a few years. But in 2011, I went full-time to just drive the Promise business. And are you 100% owner of the Promise business or does that agency own a bunch of the business? No, I'm uh, a majority owner, but there's a secondary uh, owner as well. Uh, was that an investor? Did you raise money or have you bootstrapped? 
No, we actually uh, took money that we had from other businesses and use it to do our own investment. So it's an actual partner, uh, not an investor. Is that partner, are they also a customer of the tool? No, they're not active in the business anymore. They're off doing some other things. So they're just really acting in the board of, by, uh, board of directors. Interesting. Okay, but you own, call it 60, 70%. They own 40, 30%, something like that. Exactly right, right. Okay, interesting. So you launched this in 2011. Uh, tell me more about these customers, these big agencies that use you today on average. So what's sort of a sweet spot that they pay you per month to use the technology? How much do they pay per month? On average, yeah, a sweet spot. Yeah, so, well, if you look at it, it's based on a seat license. <clears throat> and there are two seat licenses. There's a, a field license or a technical license and a, and a full license for the salespeople and the admin people. And so you're looking at, on average, about, if you blend those two rates together, about $59 a month per seat. And how many seats is your average customer? Uh, the average customer is about 40, 45. Okay, so you're talking, these are like these are like sales motions where you're selling $2,300, $2,400 a month plans. Uh, roughly, yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay, interesting. And, and do you have a big sales team? What's your team look like today? How many folks? No, there's only uh, about three. And we do a lot of through marketing and referral. And um, like all of our sales are done remotely. We don't have to visit the customer sites, which is kind of interesting in a COVID world. Um, and the sales cycle is anywhere from about a month to about four months, roughly. Uh, our customers range from on the low side, about 10 users, and the high side, about 150 as an average. Uh, but what they do, and, and they're in sectors. So we have people that are in the IT integration business. We have people that are pure MSPs or managed service providers. We also have a group of physical security and fire suppression and fire security and fire alarm system companies, they all have the same common problem. They sell equipment, they need to quote the equipment and the labor, they have to deliver the equipment and the labor, and then they want to do post-implementation support. And that's really the sweet spot for our stuff. And that, that account that's 150 users, I imagine that's your largest account. What does that ACV represent? Is that like a $100,000 a year contract? Uh, that's about right, yep. Okay, wow. And um, have they been with you since, since the beginning? Uh, most of our customers have been around for five plus years. Uh, in that case, some of the larger ones have been around for almost 10 years. And um, where we lose customers is actually sometimes they get bought or they go out of business, usually the smaller ones. Yeah. And uh, how, many, so, how many customers are you working with today, John? So we both have, uh, I guess, approximately about 150, 200. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a lot. You're managing 150 customers at 2,300 bucks a month with a team of three people. No, 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 no. That's the salespeople are three people. But oh, what's the total have, team? Oh, uh, the total team's uh, 15 plus another five that are subcontract on the, like, so that if you it breaks down into support, uh, like customer service and so forth, the implementation training. And the other part of it is the dev development. We're always doing um, uh, updates and releases sort of, you know, adjusting to what the, what's the need for in the marketplace. So we do a, a new release every two to three months, actually. But John, is my, is my math right? Can I take 150 customers times $2,300 a month on average to get your monthly revenue or no? Um, I'm not sure. I don't do math very well. but Oh, that, that, would, be, that would be about $345,000 a month in revenue. Yeah, that's about right. 
Where are you getting new customers from? How are you growing? So um, a combination of some referrals from existing customers. So we have a program with existing customers that they refer us. And the other one is we do, um, the nice thing about our business is we know who the target customers are. And so we have a pretty strong list of about 4,000 um, uh, prospects where we know their names, we know the people in the company, and so we can market to them and call them and so forth. And it's really about a cycle that somebody's, you know, you call them up and they, I'm not interested, I don't have the problem. A year later, they're not happy with their current solution. And so you just have to keep on remarketing to them. And over time, uh, those um, 300 or so, or 3,000, I should say, prospects drop into the sales bucket. Mm-hmm. And just to be clear, John, you've done all this bootstrapped, right? Outside of that other partner you have, it's all bootstrapped. Yeah, pretty much. Um, we never need, we've had a lot of good cash flow, and um, we had our own investment from some other businesses that we sold. So we've never really had to go outside in the marketplace. Yeah, no, you're very profitable. The biggest expense typically in SaaS companies is headcount. And so we always look at revenue per head and you have top 25 percentile revenue per head of about $276,000 if it's a 15-person team doing $4.1 million in ARR. So makes complete sense to me why you're so profitable. Good mathematician there. Yeah, well, I'm just, I want to give credit where credit's due. I mean, that, that is why you're able to scale is because you do so much with such a small team. That's great. Uh, tell me more about plans for 2022. Uh, do, do you have plans to stay private? Uh, do you have any, any, if someone offered you, you know, 10 million all cash up front to sell the business, do you sell today? Uh, well, I think that what I've learned from some previous business that I've owned is that train time is any time. Uh, but uh, I've been fortunate to be discriminate, uh, to discriminate and make sure that the buyer, if there was a buyer, and we're not looking specifically for one, but you never know, somebody might call you up. But the important thing for me is to say, will that buyer uh, deal with both the employees and the customers? Uh, you know, you, you see some buyers who are, I'll call them financial buyers, who want to strip the company down. And, and, uh, and you've seen this in the marketplace where there have been some major acquisitions in the past with our competitors. And the result is that the service say, um, capability drops way off. Can you name one or two uh, of them? Well, it was ConnectWise had a major problem when they um, had a major investor come in and buy the company. And it took them about maybe a year and a half to really recover from that. So who would be the perfect buyer for you? Can you name a, a company? Um, not really. There's a, you know, I guess you could argue sometimes your competitor, but usually it's about somebody who might be in the adjacent market and looking for the synergy. So if you think about it, um, you're familiar with solar winds or um, what's now split up into two companies and there's an enable, which is the other side. So these are RMM vendors or remote monitoring vendors who want to keep their customers and uh, provide more services to the, their base of customers. Mm-hmm. The other ones are some of these um, companies like Acronis and so forth that are providing a whole suite of services to managed service providers uh, you know, they're providing security, they're providing hosting and so forth. And so by providing additional stuff like the whole sort of workflow system in the back end, that just means more revenue for them and more stick stickiness with their current customers. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense, John. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. Oh, um, 
I think that uh, um, there's a, I love innovation and um, the innovator's dilemma and the innovator's solution are kind of a series uh, by two authors. And they're just phenomenal about how do you think about in, always innovating and what's the methodology for basically uh, um, being successful at innovation. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, actually, I really like the psychology, like everything's about people. And there's a wonderful book by a psychologist or neurologist. Um, um, it's, the book is called Behave. And it's um, by uh, R. Serplinski. He's a professor, I think, out of Harvard. And just a phenomenal read. It's an easy read. He's a little bit funny, but once you read his, you really understand people, customers, you know, how we, we, we think and behave and learn. And that's really critical. Like one thing I want to mention is that in the software world, what's really critical is user adoption. And for the most part, uh, companies do a really poor job at it. And uh, so that's why we studied people like Soplinski's uh, uh, information so that we could say, hey, we don't want to just buy the equipment or the software. We want yep. to be able to take advantage of it. All right, let's move forward here. Number three, uh, a favorite online tool for building the business. Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure that I have one. That's, okay. Uh, Num- number uh, four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I actually do pretty good. I do like six to sometimes seven. Okay, that's, that's great. And what's your situation, uh, John? Married, single, kids? I'm divorced, and uh, I do have three girls. Three uh, kiddos, all- and how old are you? Pardon? How old are you? I'm 65. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20? <laughs> Everything that I know now. More about people. People and situations that, uh, <laughs> you know, what with age comes wisdom. And it's uh, pretty powerful because you, my favorite expression is that life is a wonderful teacher. The only problem is it gives you the test before the lesson. And um, so I like making mistakes because I think you learn much more from mistakes than you do from successes. Guys, there you have it. John launched Promise, P-R-O-M-Y-S.com back in 2011. He's helping agencies track billable hours, both on machines and equipment and also humans to make sure nothing leaks through and profit margins stay high. He's doing about $300,000 a month in revenue a year ago, now $345,000 a month. Healthy growth, 150 customers, totally bootstrapped, which we love. 15 folks on his team, three sales reps, rest mostly engineering as he looks to continue to scale. John, thanks for taking us to the top. My pleasure.